Hello, ni hao, assalamu alaikum and namaste everyone. I'm Shahriyar Malik from Scholar Lahore Hub and I welcome you all to the fourth edition of the Scholar Entrepreneurship Series. A series of monthly podcasts where we bring you the founders of startups and business leaders from around the SEO region in line with the Scholar Network's mission to connect people in our region. Our today's guest is Mr. Vaibhav Pardal amongst other achievements and various accolades he is the executive director of Barahi Hospitality and the managing director of Barencha Wellness Resort his chain of businesses includes other resorts restaurants gyms and online stores welcome sir thank you so much uh, it's a pleasure to be here thank you so much for inviting me thank you thank you so much sir so sir uh, let's dive right into our questions and my first question from you is that nepal is a country that's considered to be a tourist heaven because of its rich, rich cultural diversity and natural resources and the landscape and every year millions of people visit nepal is there anything that a visitor needs to know a visitor like me needs to know before they come in nepal before they arrive yeah uh, thank you so much yes uh, nepal like you said is a very rich in culture and we have like uh, mountains and himalayas and uh, lots of trekking and extreme sports and everything so but uh, for the foreigners uh, before they come to nepal there 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 are some things they have to know about the culture of nepal and then uh, especially right now since we are going through the post covid and uh, you know covid situation they have to know about the uh, protocol to to come to nepal like they have to do the quarantine before but uh, one month ago our uh, government they just lifted the quarantine so now they have on arrival visa so when they come to nepal they can just come directly to nepal and get the uh, visa on the in the airport so it's very easy for them and there's no requirement for quarantine or anything So Nepal uh, welcomes you all uh, around the world. Likewise, in Nepal, uh, there's a couple of things that uh, they have to keep in mind uh, before they come to Nepal. Is a uh, uh, visa is a uh, <clears throat> right now there's a free visa for a foreigner, and it's very very limited price for the visa. And then uh, we are like seeing now a little bit of influx of tourists uh, for last couple of. Weeks we are seeing tourists, so it's a perfect, uh, perfect season for tourism. So October, November, December is the perfect season to see the mountains, the Himalayan range, and everything. And the weather is also perfect. So I would like to invite everyone. So thank you so much, uh, Mr. Bhavav. If I follow on from this very question, uh, once a person arrives in Nepal, uh, what do you say? What are the different types of religious sites or extreme sports or you know? some some places that you would suggest that tourists must visit whenever they visit nepal what would you say what would be your suggestion to the people who are visiting nepal okay once the uh, foreigner or tourist uh, once they uh, land in uh, international tribune uh, international airport in uh, kathmandu we have only one international airport uh, which is in a uh, capital city of kathmandu so once they re, uh, they land in kathmandu Uh, there is a tourist hotspot uh, called Tamil, where all the from Marriott, Hilton, Sheraton, and all five-star hotel, international chain hotels are uh, located around there. So those are the hotels. So this uh, more than fifteen five-star hotels. Now we have uh, five-star hotels. So now we have a lot of hotels in uh, Kathmandu for uh, for people who like you know who like to stay on the franchise hotel, five-star level hotels, and then. Uh, about the about the places, different places to see. First, when you come to Kathmandu, Kathmandu is uh, famous for its uh, rich cultural and temples. So we have like Pasupatinath, there is a stupa, and then uh, it's an old old temple, like 400, 500, 600 years old temple. So there's so many stuff to see in Kathmandu, and since it's the capital city, so everything is a financial hub and everything in Kathmandu. 
but the place where I live, where I'm from, is uh, is Pokhara. So Pokhara is uh, is about it's it's like uh, it's, it's a very it's a valley like Kathmandu, but it's surrounded with mountains. So all beautiful mountains like uh, Machapusre, Anapura, Dawlagiri. Mm -hmm. So and then uh, there's the Pewa Lake, and you can see the reflection of the mountain on the lake. So like uh, people oh, that's call it Australia. You know, it's it's a, it's a very uh, I'm like it's, I'm not saying because I'm from this part of the country, but you know, most of the tourists when they come to uh, Pokhara, they prefer uh, Pokhara than Kathmandu because Kathmandu is very crowded. Mm -hmm. It's almost five million people in mm -hmm. Kathmandu, and there's only hundred thousand people in Pokhara, so mm -hmm. they like to relax, chill, let back, you know, and see all this uh, tourist uh, destination and uh, lake, and then there's lots of cave and then uh, paragliding. Fourth uh, best paragliding in the world. So Pokhara had, uh, of course, that one paragliding also. We have sky uh, sky skydiving also. Just they just started. There's hot air balloon and ultra light flight and uh, kayaking and those kind of lots of uh, sports uh, water sports uh, related tourism as well. It's only 200 kilometers from Kathmandu. So, sir, the picture that you've painted of these tourist sites have has certainly put them on my checklist for places to go, places to visit as soon as COVID is over. Let's move our discussion a little bit towards the more technical part of the hospitality business. Um, as we know, the hospitality business is, you know, a $570 billion industry. Uh, business is th was thriving before COVID and, you know, we are hoping that things will come back to. Uh, people travel inside, outside the country a lot these days. And so what do you think that, how do we make sure that the industry is going in a good, uh, in a good direction? How do we assess the business? Uh, is it the occupancy rate? Uh, are there other factors that we consider? How do you know assess this sort of thing that business is going well in the hospitality sector? Uh, like you said, uh, for the last couple of almost couple of years, we are in this uh, COVID crisis. So, like uh, most of the people know, like tourism sector is the first one to be hit and uh, the last one to be recovered. So, uh, it's, uh, like most of the business that that we acquire that we have is uh, related with tourism. So we have uh, lots of hotels and restaurants and gyms and uh, those kind of stuff, which is uh, related with the uh, tourism. So right now it's, it's the, you know, I'm like, it's a, uh, um, I think after the Maoist insurgency 20 years back, this is the worst uh, uh, crisis uh, for tourism crisis in Nepal. But I will, I know we'll, we'll bounce back. First of all, in the most of the tourists of them are already vaccinated. So we don't have to worry about the vaccination and uh, uh, about the, vaccine and stuff but the problem is uh, people from like uh, suppose people from the united states they want to come to nepal so it takes almost two days for them to come from uh, united states to nepal so they, they don't want to go with all these hassles from uh, airport transit and all kind of stuff so they prefer uh, rather to travel in a uh, within their country like from people from new york they'll, they'll rather go to florida or washington dc or california instead of traveling abroad. So maybe after 2022, this will uh, ease down and people will travel a little far, but for, for the time being, people don't want to travel far. And then uh, until unless very necessary, people will uh, travel. People just, before, when they have a little bit of extra cash or disposable income, they'll just go and travel. Now people will think twice before they travel. Because most of the people were laid off also. And then, uh, you know, they are, uh, they don't have that much uh, disposable income like before. Mm. And then uh, millennial, millennial travel, they, they don't want to, the way they travel is different than the people uh, before them, like baby boomers. Uh, people, they just like to pack the bag and they just, just, just want to just go and 
uh, stay in the hostel or you know, small cheap places and stuff. They don't mind, you know. And then the next thing is uh, to in the tourism sector right now, what what's going on is people don't care about the luxury. The most powerful, most most important thing people will care, tourists will care is about uh, health and safety nowadays. It's more uh, it's more priority than the luxury because uh, people care about their health and if it's hygienic or not, it's sanitized or not, those kind of stuff. So maybe we'll after 2022, this will, you know, we'll, we'll forget about the COVID and we'll move ahead like uh, pre-COVID in 2019. But for the time being, uh, the COVID crisis is still there. And then people are talking about hardware and stuff, but uh, I hope uh, uh, we don't have to worry about that one. So hopefully 2022 will bring lots of tourists. <laughs> Hope so, hopefully, hopefully, inshallah. So, sir, you talked about, you know, how the trends have changed, people's behavior and preferences have changed, and, you know, also about the differences in the the preferences of more senior generations and millennials. So, sir, how have you guys adapted your businesses to suit that, to suit, number one, to the COVID situation, the post-COVID behaviors, and also to the uh, behaviors of the newer generation? Because I understand that the resorts and the hospitality businesses that you guys own uh, is more geared towards more luxury clients. Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Most of our uh, resort is uh, targeted with the upper-class clients. But uh, like I said, now uh, most of the people are not luxury. They are not looking for luxury now. Now it is about what kind of uh, tourists we are getting. It's uh, like a, not middle class, but people like uh, budget kind of tourists. You know? Suppose we have like uh, five, four, six thousand rupees for per night for room. Most of the tourists they are looking for two thousand or three thousand. And since there's so many rooms, uh, occupancy is so low right now, people are uh, cutting their price. So people are giving their room for a very cheap price. So it's a very, it's a, it's a very unhealthy competition right now. But we're trying to cope with it and uh, hopefully 2022 will get more uh, upper class, uh, upper level uh, uh, tourism. But at the time being, what we are doing is most of the uh, tourists nowadays, they prefer to do everything through OTA, online travel, uh, agent, you know, like booking.com and stuff, stuff mm-hmm. instead of going through the travel agency and hassle. And we are also uh, uh, postponed what we're trying to do. We are going to all our rooms are keyless entry, so people don't have to use the key and stuff. And then uh, all the rooms are sanitized, and uh, we have like say, like sanitizing machine and the temperature checking and all this. We're also trying to target since next generation is all going to be about millennials. So we're trying to figure out how we can attract millennials, you know, mm-hmm. like even the hotel, uh, like Marriott Hotel, they have different uh, kind of uh, uh, hotel categories for like for the millennials, they have a loft and those kind of stuff. So we're also trying to target the younger generation, you know, how we can uh, cater them. So what kind of like, like they like colorful and those kind of stuff and the rooms also, they like to have all this plug and USB drive and those kind of stuff. You have to focus on the uh, millennials instead of uh, uh, baby Mm-hmm. So, sir, uh, since we're talking so much about millennials, one of the purposes of this podcast and the, of, of these interviews is that we can share the advice of more experienced people like yourself with younger entrepreneurs, people who are just starting out in the field, who have you know new and smaller businesses. So, what would be your advice for these sort of entrepreneurs, uh, young entrepreneurs in the hospitality sector, and also more generally for the youth uh, in terms of what the youth can do to help this industry? Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about the young young entrepreneur. I'm also the past president of a uh, young entrepreneur forum in Pokhara, so I'm, I'm I deal with a lot of uh, young younger generation of uh, 
entrepreneurs over here in Nepal. Mm -hmm. No, actually, like I said, the millennials, they are really into AI and artificial intelligence and, you know, Internet of Things and this kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to follow the trend. If you don't follow, we'll be, if you don't, update will be outdated. So we have to follow what the millennials want. Mm -hmm. They are the next big thing, mm -hmm. you know, like like they talk about cryptocurrency and all this kind of stuff. So I'm also for, like follow with them because I don't want to be outdated, you know. Mm -hmm. So the millennials, uh, about the tourism industry right now, we have in Nepal, if you consider in Nepal, they are, uh, most of the tourism uh, entrepreneurs are uh, are like, uh, you know, are, are on their 50s and 60s. So there are very few entrepreneur-related uh, uh, tourism, but but now they are they are coming up. They are mm -hmm. coming up and they are graduating from uh, hotel industry and stuff. But the in context of Nepal, one time is like most of the people who graduate from uh, tourism college and stuff, they go abroad. So mm -hmm. ninety percent of the people who graduate from uh, tourism college, they go they go abroad to work. So we have very crisis over here. We have a labor crisis. I'm like you know in tourism sector, a very big crisis. Mm -hmm. They work for six months, you train them, and they go abroad. You again hire a new one, train mm -hmm. them, they go abroad. Mm -hmm. So the museum sector, like restaurant hotel, is more like a training center nowadays in mm -hmm. Nepal. Mm -hmm. if, if you take a, as a whole in the as a whole of the world, uh, these millennial people are the one who's, a, who's the next big engine, you know, for tourism industry. So we have to cater their them what they like. I'm like like I said, they want to have like a internet connected TV. And then USB and then this kind of stuff. You know, they, they don't mind. They, they don't want it to be really fancy, but they just want like charging station, mm. uh, those those kind of stuff. You know? They like to be like a like lobby. Also has to be uh, you know targeted for that type of uh, uh, generation. A whole new set of needs. Yep, new, new generation, new needs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, sir, let's move from the people that we're talking about, from the millennials and the young people to the to the ecosystem more generally. Since many other SEO countries, uh, countries in our region, in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization region, uh, have a great mountainous terrain like Nepal, similar to Nepal. And I'm also, you know, thinking about this from my own experience while I was tra traveling in northern Pakistan, the Gilgit Baltistan areas. So these are areas that have uh, immense natural beauty, but in terms of their tourism services and the tourism infrastructure, they're very undeveloped. They are sort of virgin and untapped areas. So what would be your uh, advice and, you know, in terms of all of your experience, what do you say? How can other countries and communities use this raw potential and how can they start to develop their own mountain tourism potential? Excellent question. Excellent. Yeah, like you said, like the SEO country, uh, like Sanjay Corporation uh, Organization country, Nepal is also part of it. Like you said, most of the Himalayan countries like Nepal, India, China, Pakistan, we all lie in the Himalayan range. So we all have like most of the same kind of terrains, you know. Obviously, we have desert and stuff too, but with most of the most of the countries, I think uh, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, they also have yes. mountains. Yes, most of the Central Asian countries so, also have a similar term. Yeah, yeah, Eurasian, yeah. So, uh, what we can do to attract more tourists on uh, those kind of uh, terrain is like even Nepal. Uh, we are not satisfied with the the flow of uh, tourists because in Thailand every year more than fifty million people travel. Uh, they have tourists, you know. In Nepal, there is only one million tourists in one year. So. Uh, like, you know, we still have lots of potential. So I think I would say only 10% of the tourism potential is explored in Nepal. Okay. But if you compare with, like you said, in Pakistan, we have a K2, K2 mountains, and there's yes. so many 
other mountains that we don't know the name, but there's so many different mountains, you know. And like you know, Nepal, we have like a, a top 10, uh, eight of the biggest mountain in the world in Nepal. So we have a lot of mountains and hills and stuff. Likewise, uh, SOC, SOC country, they have also mountains. But to, to cash in on that one, they have to first, first of all, as, as you know, we have got to have the uh, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. It has to be accessible. Mm-hmm. First, it has to be accessible, and then it has to be marketed well. People have to know that you have those kind of stuff in your country. You know? mm-hmm. A lot of people, they don't know. Like in Nepal, there's so many places that still has to be explored. Mm-hmm. It's very good, but it's not accessible. You know? Those kind of stuff. And then obviously, our country, like, like you said, most of the country, very corrupted. And there's so many bureaucracy and those kind of stuff. You know? And the tourism, uh, tourism minister also, and then Ministry of Tourism, they, they don't have that much budget to promote them. Once you get accessible, then you can explore and then you can market. Same thing in Nepal also. We have, we have so many places, but, uh, you know, and then obviously the political stability is also comes uh, in between, because in Nepal also still, uh, we don't have political stability. So every year, uh, you know, the power is shifted in every, every other year. So we have to explore Thank you so much, sir. I think that sums up, you know, the various uh, aspects of this tourism industry. It seems like a very complicated problem at first, but you have correctly identified, I think, the accessibility, marketing it, and then also the political will and and stability. I think that's excellent, sir. And, you know, with that, we come to an end to our main session with the more serious questions. And now we'll move on to the fast five, which is, you know, a set of more casual questions. What's your favorite chill-out place in Nepal? Okay, uh, thank you. A chill-out place, like I said mentioned before, it's uh, obviously the place where I'm born, uh-huh. Nepal. Uh, in, uh, Pokhara, Nepal, it's a uh, 200 kilometer from Kathmandu. It's a, uh, like they say, there's a, there's a lot of pieces of uh, heaven uh, in earth and Nepal is one of it. Like they said, like Pokhara is one of it. Mm-hmm. It's like a Sangrila, you know, beautiful mountain range and mm-hmm. it's the reflection of the, mountain and the lake and stuff and so so Pokhara has to be my uh, and then there's almost like 500 different hotels and mm-hmm. there's a 400 different restaurants over there mm-hmm. so it's like the, they call it like a small Europe you know it's mm-hmm. a very small place mm-hmm. tourist, place, a lot of tourists and you know mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, my best place is uh, has to be Pokhara but if you ask me what's the next one and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll definitely say Chitwan because we have a hotel in Chitwan and there's a Chitwan National Park Mm-hmm. And then you can see the one of the rhino and the, you know elephant. And we just my guest just saw a tiger yesterday, so it's very rare to see a tiger in the national park. So they just saw a tiger yesterday. So the if you if I want to chill, let back, and you know just switch off your phone and relax, mm-hmm. then Chitwan is the next uh, place to go. Noted, sir. I think that, that this is something that all of our audience has also noted. Uh, if we move on to move on to our second question, uh, what, what are two sports that you want to bring to Nepal? Okay, there's sports. Uh, let's talk about the sports that's uh, more a little extreme sports, obviously. Mm-hmm. So like, like I mentioned before, we have uh, in Nepal, we already have ultralights. We have uh, paragliding. We have hot air balloon, very seasonal, because it's a very windy place in Pokhara. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe like one couple of months. So mm-hmm. it's not feasible. Mm-hmm. But the two of the things that I want to bring is the ski resort, mm-hmm. uh, skiing in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's two running, but it's not, not professionally run right. Okay. There's one in Mira Peak in Everest. And there's a Kuri in uh, Kalinchok. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there's one in APC, Anupuna Base Camp. It's mm-hmm. one of the world's uh, top four 
uh, trekking site, you know. Mm-hmm. So over there, it's called ABC Anupur Base Camp. I would like to uh, have over there, because there's a 1,000 meter slope over there. So we can have a ski resort and a, a ski industry can flourish over there. But mm-hmm. uh, it needs, like, like we talked before, it needs a lot of infrastructure uh, development has to mm-hmm. be done over mm-hmm. there. But, the, but what an amazing ski resort that must be if it ever gets built. Yeah. And then the next one is uh, obviously skydiving. It's not, okay. there's skydiving company, a couple of them, but it's not like professionally done right now. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to uh, take it to the next level and make it like, like fly Dubai in the sky, skydive Dubai, Dubai, like that one. You know, I want to mm-hmm. make it like a very professional and then the place to do skydive in Nepal. So mm-hmm. uh, skydive is, you can do skydive. Uh, right now, what they are using is that they are using the P2 and B3 helicopter and then uh, up 4,000 meter. Mm-hmm. And they are dropping from 2,000 meters from the helicopter. But this very, it's, uh, very few times. I want to make it like, you know, continuous, you know. Mm-hmm. So make it more professional and stuff. So mm-hmm. skydiving and uh, ski. I love the ambition that you have. I think that's something very motivational for the people who will be listening to us as well. Uh, and um, with that comes my next question. What is? The, can you share any new project that you're currently working on? If it's not a secret, that is. Yeah, it's not. It was a secret like a month ago, but two weeks okay. back, we just... But our finalized our contractor. So okay. what we are doing right now, we are coming up with a five-star hotel in Pokhara. Mm-hmm. We already have two hotels here, one in the Sarangkot Mountain Lodge and mm-hmm. one is Hotel Barai in Pokhara. So we are coming up with a five-star hotel. It's a Hotel Barai City. So it will mm-hmm. take three years to be for completion. So the uh, maybe November 1st, not November 1st, first week will start the construction process. We already finished with all the uh, contractor and everything. So we will have more than 150 rooms and all facing on the lake mm-hmm. and half of the room will be facing to the, towards the mountain. And it's a very luxurious hotel. Uh, it'll be like five, there's only one five-star hotel in Pokhara right now. So it'll be mm-hmm. the second five-star hotel right now in operation. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited on that one. And then we are going to the PP public and uh, public private part, partners. So even if you want to uh, by the share of the hotel, you can do that one. So if you if you need, if you want, do let me know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So I, I I can see you being the change that you want to see in the world. And um, so 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 my next question, sir, is that w- one quick change. If you were were if you had the power to do one change that you wanted to do in the current tourism sector in Nepal. Uh, there's so many things I want to change the tourism sector in Nepal because, uh, like like we talk about, it's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy in Nepal mm-hmm. and the political instability. And what we have right now is there is one tourism minister. After two months, they change the tourism. tourism someone will uh, take the role of tourism minister, and mm-hmm. he has no idea about the tourism at all. Mm-hmm. He's not even from the background of tourism anything. So and he tried to do his own way, you know, and then and then the. And, and he's just messed up the whole uh, whole plan and stuff. So everything is backlogged. In Nepal, mm-hmm. everything is backlogged. You know, there's like an international airport coming up in uh, in Lumbini, which is the birthplace of uh, Lord Buddha mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Lumbini. They mm-hmm. are coming up with the airport, but so many uh, bureaucracy, you know. Mm-hmm. I would like all this bureaucracy to stop down, eradicate. Mm-hmm. And then uh, only the people who are very interested, who knows, about the tourism to be the minister or mm-hmm. or any other position of a government position, so they so they can focus and they can you know they can uh, mm-hmm. give their best. You know? mm-hmm. Like we are coming up in a international airport in Pokhara also. It's a, it's a second international airport in Pokhara. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bought the land like 40 years ago, but it took almost 40 years for the airport to be built. So 
a lot of uh, leg pulling and then you know a lot of abuse hmm hmm understandable and we 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 all in the we we all live in the same region so i think this is something that we can all relate to in in many ways so 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 yeah, so, yeah. so so basically more efficient and professional uh, professionalism in terms of the bureau, bureaucratic procedures so thank you so much sir and yeah. sir my last question from you is some sort you know is is it's a sort of a life lesson also that we want to you know take from you that throughout this journey of yours and through all through all of the experiences that you have what have you learned about people people in general not you know just in terms of work but generally people yeah i'm i'm like share a little bit about my uh, my entrepreneurial journey because mm-hmm. uh, i was 17 years old when i went to the united states to further my education okay. i was about to be a doctor in nepal but i went uh, in, uh, in in the us and uh, you know i took a class in international business mm-hmm. and i worked here i got shot almost twice i got almost shot while working in the department store so lots of stuff happened in my life and i got my green card and everything so i at the end of the day i gave up my green card and i i thought myself okay i'm going to do something in my country mm-hmm. so i came back to nepal mm-hmm. and obviously it was very hard for me because uh, nepal and us is like totally different side of the coin uh-huh. but i i you know now i'm so happy i did a, i i did i did good you know mm-hmm. i did i did the right uh, decision and then about the talking about the people is totally different in the united states and here if you talk about the hospitality industry also you know uh customer service and those kind of stuff is very strict in the in the states you know mm-hmm. in nepal like they say you have one negative reviews equals to 12 positive reviews you know mm-hmm. and then uh, i always tell my staff when the customer is not happy or not satisfied don't let them go mm-hmm. once they leave from the premises mm-hmm. they'll spread the word now it's all about you know online and stuff you know they'll give word of bad mouth, social they'll, media you have to give them complimentary to whatever you want you can Hmm. you know but don't let this all the, the negative images go out uh, hmm. from a restaurant and then about the about the people obviously i like to read books and stuff you know uh, yeah we have to uh, we have to be generous we have to gratitude generous and obviously it's not about being rich it's not mm-hmm. about being like wealthy and stuff it's about you know winning people's heart mm-hmm. that's uh, that's more important you know mm-hmm. so i i i, yeah. I think on that beautiful note we'll end our interview and our podcast for today thank you so much sir for giving us your time and uh, we're leaving our audience with the message that it's not about your wealth or your money it's about winning people's hearts thank you so much thank you so much let the 2022 be a better comeback than the setback thank you so much thank you so much inshallah love that note love that note thank you Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed. We will be back with another episode of the Scholar Entrepreneurship Series where we explore an entrepreneur from a different SEO country every month. Next month we'll be exploring the education sector. Happy listening. Make sure you subscribe. See you next month.